They didn't put together a case, but it wasn't that they couldn't have. It's the fact that his father protected him. His father was a judge. They basically allowed him to get away with murder. I think this little sniveling coward would have immediately reached out for help. And who would have helped him? His father. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor, writer, producer of Criminal Minds. And with me today is... Hi, everybody. It's Francie Hakes, former state and federal prosecutor and executive producer and writer of Audible's Next Level featuring Brian Branch. Jim, you're back. Our listeners are going to be so excited. I think at this point they thought, maybe I murdered you and buried you in the basement. Uh, well, I know you've been fantasizing about that for years now, (laughs) but not yet, not yet. Although I do feel a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you poisoned me, but, uh, (laughs) our listeners might detect a slight deepening of my vocal cords because, uh, I do, I am getting over COVID yet again. Um, well, I just want to say, uh, in my defense, if I poisoned you, Jim, if I did, it was only because of my jealousy because of your recent global travels that mm. our listeners, if they become Patreon subscribers, can hear and see all about if you guys will tune in to our uh, Patreon channel where you can see Jim and I on video. And we talk before each episode. We show photographs. And Jim has recently revealed some very exciting things about his recent global travels, uh, after which I tried to murder him because I'm so jealous. But we'll just leave that for another episode, maybe, shall we, James? We shall. Thank you. Um, So today, Francie, there has been another round of important developments in a case that we've been talking about and thinking about for many years, and that is the disappearance and murder of Natalie Holloway in Aruba. Yeah, you know, Jim, we've talked about this case more than once. And uh, I just want to remind our listeners of some of the facts of that case, which actually Natalie, who was barely 18 years old, a beautiful young girl from Alabama, was on a, a graduation trip to the gorgeous island of Aruba with some of her friends. And this was 18 years ago now, Jim. I mean, it seems, I mean, just, I can't believe how much time has passed. It seems so recent, but 18 years ago, we started to hear that this young, uh, recent high school graduate had disappeared one night in Aruba with her friends. And after that, things got very confusing. And it's now been 18 long years that her family has been waiting to hear what happened to her. And Jim, just as we're recording just yesterday in a courtroom in the state next door to me, right in Alabama in federal court, 
the man who was long suspected of having something to do with Natalie's disappearance, Joran Vandersloot, pled guilty not to murdering Natalie Holloway, but trying to extort Natalie's grieving mother, Beth Holloway, by tricking her into believing that he was going to disclose to her what happened to Natalie and where she could be located in return for $250,000. Right. And, and the this FBI mother... was involved in that as a sting. They they put up yeah. the twenty five k that they gave him as a down payment, and then he was supposed to reveal everything. And of course, he did nothing. Um, no. And another little side note is that I was hired in a case, in a civil case, by none other than Dr. Phil and his lawyers to be an expert witness in this case, to analyze all the facts in the case and try to make a determination as to uh, the involvement of Vandersloot and two of his friends who he had in the car with him when he picked up Natalie Holloway and left the club in Aruba that night. Yeah. And just for those of you who don't remember that there is some uh, surveillance video from this, you know, club uh, in Aruba that showed Natalie Holloway at, at different moments, you know, there enjoying things and having fun with her friends. And then eventually it was discovered that she had left the club with Vandersloot. And like you say, Jim, two of his friends. And that was the last time that anyone other than Vandersloot and his two friends ever saw Natalie Holloway alive again. And so the images are just, um, you know, striking and haunting because you just see a young girl and the, you know, just at the beginning of her adult life, enjoying uh, this club with her friends. And then she's gone, never to be seen again by friends or family. And so, Jim, if you can tell the listeners a little bit about, um, you know, some of the things that struck you the most about this case on your review of what evidence we had, and then we're going to talk about what Vandersloot has admitted to in a U.S. court this week. Oh, well, one of the things was the, the extreme callous and arrogant nature of Vandersloot and his two friends. And we know some of this from how they reacted to law enforcement investigators and some of this based on texts and emails that they sent during this time period, you know, bragging about how Natalie Holloway was drunk and she got into a car with three guys she didn't even know and things like that and just some really nasty, nasty stuff. And uh, it's... Many of our listeners probably have heard that the the Dutch authorities in Aruba were unable to put together a case against uh, Vandersloot. And who, by the way, was a Dutch citizen and whose father apparently was quite prominent. Well, Gee, I wonder if that father, had anything to do with it. Well, that's what I was going to say, Francie. Um, they didn't put together a case, but it wasn't that they couldn't have. It's the fact that the, his father protected him. His father was yeah. a judge. His father was a judge and a very prominent citizen, as you say, and they treated him with kid gloves and they did not actually do a full investigation. They didn't even do a full interrogation of him. I think if you go back to our previous coverage of this case, I talked a lot about the kinds of questions that he was asked and yeah. the leading nature of them and the, the kid gloves that they used with him. 
they basically allowed him to get away with murder. And that is just Disgusting. unconscionable. Not only did they send away the FBI BAU when when we went down there uh, to help in this investigation, they did not conduct an actual investigation. And it is it's just it's an aberration. And it is so unfortunate, in my opinion. Um, that's the reason why he between his father and the lack of investigative effort on the part of the authorities there. That's the reason why Vandersloot was never actually arrested and charged with Natalie Holloway's murder. But it's also the reason why he was able to kill again. Well, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, you, you have authorities and corruption, what looks like corruption uh, there to me, Jim. And so it cost another young woman her life just a few years later when Vanderson, five years to the day. Right. Yeah. Yep. When he was in Peru and he uh, went to, back to a hotel room with a young woman uh, named Stephanie Flores and then he strangled and murdered her. Now, she was discovered, uh, unlike Natalie Holloway, she was discovered and Vandersloot was prosecuted there in spite of what I understand were some uh, efforts by the Dutch government to get him out of trouble. He was prosecuted there and convicted of murder and sentenced, I think, to something like 28 years there right. in Peru, Jim. But in the meantime... You have so he's been in custody in Peru since 2012. Well, since then, there have been a lot of people, including Natalie's mother, Beth Holloway, agitating to have Vandersloot prosecuted here in the United States for right. Natalie's murder, which is something I mentioned last time. It was that the United States government has an absolute right to prosecute people for killing their citizens wherever they are. So in the U.S., there is jurisdiction uh, where the victim's last residence was to prosecute an offender that murders a U.S. citizen. Right. That was never done. And Jim, I think that you and I could probably agree that the reason was you'd, it has to be a federal case and you'd have U.S. attorney's offices or a U.S. attorney's office, generally in Alabama, looking at the investigation that was done and just you know, no evidence was collected. I mean, they just, like you say, the authorities did not do anything that they were supposed to do. They they rejected the help of the FBI. So there was really no way to bring charges against Vandersloot. Well, what has come up since then, Jim, in what I think is a really key email that I find bears upon the happening in court this week in the United States, is that Vandersloot at one point told a friend of his that, don't worry, my dad and I got a boat and we took care of it you know, implying right. that his dad and him took Natalie's body and tossed it over somewhere in the deep ocean, which mm -hmm. is a reason why she was never found. But so, Jim, I want to ask you about that, because what happened in court this week, as I'm sure everybody knows, is Vandersloot was extradited from Peru. He's being prosecuted. You and I covered this already being prosecuted in, in U.S. District Court in Alabama for extorting Beth Holloway for the money, pretending that he was going to give her some information about Natalie Holloway and never did and took the money. So he's guilty of extortion. So when he pled guilty to that, his admission, his confession also came in as a requirement prosecutor said, in return for giving you a 20-year sentence, you have to confess to Natalie Holloway's murder and tell us what happened. Vandersloot never mentioned his father, Jim. He never mentions these other two guys. Instead, what he claims happened is that he took Natalie to a beach 
They were engaged in kissing. He wanted to take it farther. Natalie rebuffed his um, advances and even kneed him in the crotch, which apparently sent him into a rage. He kicked her in the face and then he crushed her skull with a cinder block and right. then dumped her in the ocean himself. Now, I have a lot of issues with his statement, Jim, but if we can start, I want to ask you what you think about the fact that he said in an email his dad helped him get rid of her body, presumably, and now he's not mentioning his father or anyone else. Well, uh, you know, we we know very well that the two brothers who were with him when Natalie got in the car, spent time with him that night. And, you know, their their cell phone records and things like that and eyewitness testimony uh, links them to being there with him for a good period of that night. And I also know that when, uh, when he was questioned, when Vandersloot was questioned, that his father was very much a part of that. And, you know, part of the reason why he was not literally treated like a criminal at all, even though Natalie was clearly a a young woman who would not run off on her own, who did not just disappear and unfortunately was most likely murdered and and then, you know, her body disposed of. So you know, it's a cast of characters that unfortunately, you know, basically circled the wagons and did not ever take responsibility for what they did. And this is why we're in the situation, because uh, I don't know if the Dutch authorities are restrained from actually doing a real interrogation and a real investigation, but they certainly did not do it. They did not, you know, do a forensic investigation. They did not do any kind of of real actual interrogation of Vandersloot or the guys he was with. And the witnesses that had come forward who identified him and his car and the, and the other guys, they were not taken seriously. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, it it just strikes me. A few things strike me, Jim. And I was on um, one of the news networks this morning talking about this case. And I said that I don't believe anything Vandersloot said. Uh, Natalie's mother was on television, you know, expressing her uh, relief that he had finally admitted to murdering Natalie. And that he, you know, that he she felt like justice had been done for Natalie. But and she said that she felt like there had been a polygraph of him and therefore that supported what he had said. Now, this polygraph was news, at least to me. 
I don't know how thorough the polygraph was. I have no idea under the conditions on which he was given the polygraph um, or what questions were asked, which as you know, Jim, are very important, what questions they're asked in the pretest and, and, and during the exam itself. So I don't know. But what I can say is that I find his account to be just taking it from a factual standpoint, you know, breaking down a defense, if you will, as I would have had to do as a prosecutor, I don't find it very credible. Now, I've been to a lot of beaches all over the world, including island beaches in in the Caribbean, like Aruba. I don't think they're typically uh, loaded with cinder blocks. I don't know where he found a cinder block. What I think- Well, Francie, yeah, but Francie, you know, on these beaches, there are little boats and rowboats that have, you know, that are tied down to cinder blocks as anchors. And, you know, when you pull them up on the beach, sometimes they throw the- the center block on the maybe maybe Jim but what but what I'm thinking what I'm thinking makes more well what makes sense to me Mm -hmm. is that even in admitting that he killed her which at this point he really just had no choice even admitting that he killed her I think he's still distant trying to distance himself from it because he says he's found God and he's a different person and all this garbage that psychopaths always say when they're actually caught but I can't help but think that if he and his dad really did take Natalie's body out, they would have probably tied it to a cinder block. And so that's why in his mind, the cinder block is part of his story. I think it also distances himself from the way he killed Stephanie Flores, which was strangulation just with his hands. And so I suspect that he was enraged that I think he's probably telling the truth. Natalie Holloway rebuffed his advances. And so he beat her to death and or strangled her um, and then panicked and probably called his daddy to help him out. I just do not see him being the kind of person who has the presence of mind to wade into the surf with her and dump her body like that. I think this little sniveling coward would have immediately reached out for help. And who would have helped him his father. So I don't know what the truth is. And we're obviously never going to know because that's probably the only statement that he'll ever make. I agree that he is, you know, a pathological liar. He's probably a psychopath. He is certainly a serial murderer. I mean, he, he has killed two young women that we know about that, you know, I mean, we're, we're basically defenseless. He's a big guy. Yeah. He's, very tall, he's strong, and he is certainly, you know, as unfeeling and uncaring as any psychopath I've ever met. And and the fact is that the second young lady that he killed was on the anniversary of Natalie Holloway's death, and it is likely that she had found out, she had discovered who he was, that he was the killer of Natalie Holloway and she confronted him. And so he took that opportunity to kill her and then immediately, immediately came up with a plan to try to cover it up, walking out of the hotel room with two empty coffee mugs or whatever, going to get some coffee for both of them. And then he comes back and of course she's dead. Well, and he feigns that that's when he discovers her body. But in fact, there was a a camera in the hallway and it it documented the fact that no one else came into or out of that hotel room he was the only one who was there with her and so it was pretty compelling evidence and i'm sure they did in fact do a forensic investigation they did probably interrogate him 
They did. They probably got the lies from him and then were able to disprove them. And that was enough to convict him. Yes, and because apparently the Peruvian authorities actually care about someone murdering young women, unlike the Aruba authorities. Well, and, uh, you know, was it the fact that Aruba was investigating the murder of an American girl as opposed to someone who was a Dutch or or a Reuben citizen? Come on. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's, it's outrageous. It is. Outrageous. Well, it is outrageous. Jim. And you I remember and I the guys from my unit who had gone down there during, you know, right after the 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 alarm was raised that Natalie Holloway was missing. And I remember them coming back totally frustrated, totally upset that they were basically kept out of this investigation, even though we could have absolutely helped and actually conducted a full and complete investigation. We do these investigations on our soil and overseas all the time. And it's just it's just horrible what they did. And and, and well, and, it is horrible because I don't think Vandersloot's ever really going to be held accountable. Now, he was sentenced by the judge. And this interestingly, uh, Jim, this is what's called a binding plea, which in federal court is fairly unusual. So what that means is he walked into court with the judge, the prosecutor and the defense all agreeing that he was going to admit his guilt and get a very specific sentence, and that was 20 years. And so that's what happened yesterday in court, is the judge accepted his guilty plea and sentenced him all at the same time. Unusual in federal court. There's right, usually but a unfortunately, gap. Unfortunately, and I don't understand this, but unfortunately, they made it concurrent with his sentence in Peru. Yeah, and I have a feeling, means... Jim, that that was the negotiated part. I have a no, feeling that they negotiated that part because what they were looking for was him to admit what he did. And I think that is probably what Beth Holloway, Natalie's mother, was the most interested in, was him admitting that he killed Natalie Holloway. And he did that. And so while his sentence is concurrent, and I know some people are upset about it, and at first I was too until I really thought about it, 20 years is actually a crazy long sentence for extortion. This is sort of the O.J. Simpson yeah, I effect. know, I know. He was being but... sentenced for really for the murder, even though that crime wasn't what he was standing in court for. But what it does mean is if the proven, he's remember, he's already been in custody for more than a decade. And so if he gets out of jail in Peru in less than 20 years from right now, well, from two months ago when we had him in custody, from two months ago, then he will be extradited right back to the United States and he will have to finish that 20-year sentence here in federal prison. So it's not like he's gotten away with it completely. Uh, and Peruvian authorities did show that they will cooperate with us on things like extradition. And so he, he didn't get off scot-free, but yes, concurrent sentence is not as good in my opinion as a consecutive sentence, but maybe he would have then just made them take him to trial. And even if he was convicted of extortion, they never would have had his admission that he killed Natalie. Right. And, but, and so I think that's what the Holloways really want. You know, he's going to be what? 56, maybe when he gets out of he is prison. not going to be an old man, potentially. Right. When it, well, it and, depends on how long Peru holds on to him. And I believe he is he is absolutely capable of killing again. Yes. And it's very unfortunate that he yeah. will ever get out. And, you know, obviously his family has money and 
they have the ability to support him and move him wherever the hell they want. And unfortunately, that means there's going to be a risk to whoever he encounters, wherever he decides to go. You're right. He's a killer. Once a killer, always a killer. And I think that young women especially are going to be in danger from him for the rest of his life. And I think that that he should have gotten, as I said on Twitter today, he should have gotten a pine box sentence. And the fact that he didn't is unfortunate. Um, But, you know, at least the Holloway family feels like justice is done. So who am I to substitute my judgment for Beth Holloway, um, who suffered more than anyone with the disappearance and and death of her um, beloved daughter, Natalie. And so I hope that this does give her some peace, um, some peace of mind. I hope she feels some vindication knowing that he is in jail now for 20 years in something that's related to Natalie's disappearance and death. Right. Well, I um, I agree with you. There's no question that this is hopefully something that helps Miss Holloway. I think she is, you know, she's been a an incredibly dedicated mother and advocate. And I know how hard she fought the Dutch authorities and why she was so upset with what was being done and what wasn't being done in this investigation originally, unfortunately, because of the nature of the investigation and the nature of this country, this island country, that there is very little that can be done when you screw up the original investigation and it takes years and years and years for anybody down there to get serious about it. Well, and I do want to say one thing. I've been critical of my brethren at the Department of Justice uh, lately on several things, but I want to say give them all the credit to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Northern District of Alabama, which pursued this extortion case and pursued extraditing Vandersloot in case in a case that normally would not be extraditable. I mean, they, that's just not something the DOJ would would pursue here for something like a simple extortion case. But of course, this wasn't a simple extortion case. But kudos to them, kudos to the State Department, kudos to the FBI who investigated this extortion and was part of that sting. So critical, all that evidence to bring this psychopath into U.S. justice and make him stand in court and admit that he murdered uh, Natalie Holloway, a citizen of this country, a citizen of the state of Alabama. And it just proves that the long arm of United States justice is long indeed. And if you commit an offense against United States citizen, keep looking over your shoulder because we're coming. Well, I would hate to be a criminal and have you come after me, Francie. I know (laughs) you will never give up. And I'm I'm on the right side of the law and I'm still afraid of you. So I can't imagine (laughs) what it would be like being on the wrong side of the law. I'm a bit relentless. Yeah, well, well, here, you know, we may or may not see and hear more from Vandersloot in the near future. Who knows? But the fact is that I'm happy that that Natalie's mother is actually feels feels like justice is is happening here. And hopefully she does, in fact, find some kind of closure and some kind of way to move on. It's just incredibly terrible that a mother has to deal with the loss of her this wonderful daughter 
And yeah, terrible. You know, at such a at such a very young age. It is terrible. I've been to Aruba and although it is kind of beautiful, don't try to go play golf there. It's ridiculous. It's just like sandy, well, if they don't, rocky you know, if, if, if you're not going to be protected as a United States citizen in Aruba, I say don't go there. Why go there? Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Francie, for giving us your insights on this horrific case, the murder of Natalie Holloway. And we're our, we're just sending out our prayers to her family and her friends who have had to suffer without her in their lives without knowing what actually happened and hopefully one day there'll be some reckoning for the guy or guys that actually killed her well till next time francie and to all our listeners and our Patreon subscribers, thank you for listening and watching Best Case, Worst Case. Signing off. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production produced by Francie Hakes and Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, LA. Engineered and edited by Matt Gergel. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba and hosted by Wondery. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to do something about child sexual abuse, Darkness Delight can help. Did you know that more than 90% of the time children are sexually abused by someone they know? Jim, this isn't about stranger danger. It's about learning the true risks. Darkness to Light's training can help prevent, recognize, and react to child sexual abuse in your community. When you make the decision to get involved, kids can be protected. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org to take the training and learn more. That's d2l.org.